Hi there, you're listening to the Estranged Heart Podcast, and I'm your host, Creed Revere. Welcome back to our returning listeners, and if this is your first time here, thank you for selecting this podcast to listen to. As we begin today's episode, I invite you to grab a cup of coffee or tea, settle in, and listen with an open heart. But first, the regular disclaimer. I am not a licensed therapist or counselor. Nothing within this podcast should be considered or taken as therapy. If you are in need of therapeutic support, such as counseling, please seek out a therapist near you. Hi there. Today's episode is titled, Do They Have Any Good Memories of Their Childhood? And before we dive into today's episode, I just have a couple of announcements. Um, our support group for Recently Reconciled Moms began yesterday, uh, Saturday, the 4th of February. And I think it's just going to be a phenomenal next few months with this with this particular group of moms who are in the reconciliation process with their uh, formerly estranged adult children. And um, just want to say thanks to, to each one that is participating in that group. Thank you for being brave enough and vulnerable enough to show up. The second announcement is there will be an interview forthcoming with a therapist regarding um, LGBTQ plus topics. So if you have a child who is a member of that community, this might be an episode that you would want to to tune into, um, especially. We'll also touch a little bit within that episode as well, a little bit on religion. And I know that I've had some inquiries from folks wanting to know how these come into play with estrangement. And so that interview is forthcoming. Also forthcoming is um, I'm hopeful for an interview with another estranged adult child. And um, I spoke with this estranged adult child yesterday and was just blown out of the water. Um, So we are scheduled or we're looking to schedule uh, another time when we can actually do the recording. So be be watching for that to come. So on to today's episode. Do they have any good memories of childhood, of their childhood? Because I have plenty. This is what I hear moms say often. And it's a valid question. It's a question that I think warrants some thoughts beyond just the surface level of that question. I mean, it's a valid question, but there's, as with everything with estrangement, it's multi-layered and there are lots of different things that come into play with it. Is it a matter of do they have memories or not that are good or not? It's not that simple. And we'll dive into that in just a moment. So I have just one quote for today. And I thought it was pretty, pretty spot on. I shared it with the support group yesterday. And I wanted to share it here today. A riot is the language of the unheard. 
and that is by Dr. Dr. Martin Luther King. I'll repeat it again. A riot is the language of the unheard. While Dr. Martin Luther King was referring to something totally different, he certainly wasn't referring to estrangement at, um, when that was said. However, I think it applies to estrangement. I think estrangement is a quote-unquote riot. And I think it, when our children estrange from us, they are rioting, saying, you're not listening to me. I haven't been heard. Something is wrong and I need your attention. So that's why I wanted to share that quote with you today. So let's talk about memories. I think when we talk about memories and memories that we have versus the memories that our children have, um, they're going to be different. They cannot be the same because we are not the same people. There's a variety of different things that come into play with memories. I mean, one very simplistic thing is time tends to do a number on what we remember and what we don't. And under what circumstances were those memories available to us, right? Were those experiences available to us? Were they at times when we were happy or times when we were not happy? And were there other stressors going on in our life at that time that would color those memories? And one of the ways to look at this is perhaps not just memories, but perspective. So we have our own, as parents, we have our own memories, our own perspectives. So do our children. We have decades of life experience on our kids. They haven't lived the decades that we have. They haven't had, you know, the 20 plus years that we have as an advantage on them. They've not had that time to experience life, to understand what life is all about, to have had experiences that have brought them from one point to another point in their life. So I think it's really, it's really important to remember that, right? And your memory, I, I know that personally, I, I have memories of my childhood that my parents do not have. And they have memories that I do not have. And I'm not going to tell them that they are wrong. My parents are in their late 70s. I'm not going to tell them that they're wrong. But at the same time, I mean, because their memories are their memories. I can't, I cannot dispute their memories. What I can do is validate their memory, their experience, how they felt through those experiences. 
and that's what I want in return. I don't want my parents to necessarily say, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I remember that. Uh, you're, yeah, yeah, you're totally, yeah, you're totally right. That's not what I want. What I want them to say is when I share a memory or an experience that I've had, is I would like for them to validate whatever feeling that is that has come up within me from that memory. And this is where we tend to get off track as parents because we have this incessant need to be right. And if our child's memory of something or perspective of something doesn't match ours, then we're really quick to point the finger and say, you're wrong, I'm right. And over time, I mean, this started when our kids were little, right? Because we would question them. I know I did. You know, my kids would come back from a friend's home and they'd say such and such and such and such happened. And I, I, you know, be like, are you sure about that? Was that really kind of really what happened? When it really wasn't a huge deal in the grand scheme of life, but because of where I was at, at that point in time in my life, under the stressors that I was under, under the relationship stressors I was under, the work pressure I was under, what have you, I made it a big deal when it really wasn't. And because I didn't have control of my life in other areas, I was really hyper-focused on controlling the narrative when it came to my kids. And I had no idea that that's what I was doing. So our memories and our perspectives are not the same. And our kids have watched us. This, this doesn't just come out of the, it doesn't just come out of the blue. Our children watch us and learn how to be in the world by watching us and observing us. And observing things that we are not necessarily super focused on or aware of. They're, they're really great at mimicking what we have done. Specifically to them. So when, when the, I, I like to say that when the, when the house is on fire, we're not concerned with making sure we're going to go take the, you know, the pot of boiling water off the stove. We're focused on, oh my God, the house is on fire. I've got to get everybody out. I've got to do this. I, you know, I have to do that. We're not concerned with going and taking something off the stove. And so when it comes to memories, You might remember, oh my gosh, yeah, I remember when that fire started and we had to, you know, we were cooking dinner and all these pots and pans were on the stove. And I remember thinking I had to go take the, the, the pots off the stove and your kids going, all I could see were flames and I'm just wanting to get out. Like, I, I don't care where it started, how it started, what's happening in the kitchen. I want out. So their memory it's vastly different than yours. 
And it doesn't mean that they didn't have good memories. It doesn't mean that at all. As a matter of fact, when I talk with estranged adult children, I oftentimes hear, yeah, we had, you know, we used to go camping all the time and we would go here and we'd go there and it was really great. And then we'd come home. And it was hell. You know, we, we put on a good show for everyone else, but behind closed doors, it was this. Right? And putting on a good show for, for others is, you know, going on trips and having experiences, you know, going to the local plays and, you know, if you live in Florida, the, the theme parks and things like that. And people think, oh, yeah, they had a, such a great childhood because we took them here and did this and did that and the other thing. When from their perspective, they're like, I could have cared less about the places we went to. I just wanted my parents to hear me and validate my experience. And those are two totally different perspectives, two totally different memories. Again, it's not that they didn't have good memories. But when your nervous system is unregulated, as it becomes when you undergo trauma, and again, we're talking little t traumas here, that happen consistently over a long period of time, the nervous system doesn't know how to regulate. And an unregulated nervous system is hyper-focused on survival. And survival typically is, um, you know, focused on the things that you, that are, that are big, right? Big in your world. So they're not focused on the little things. Oh yeah. I remember that time when mom came in and, you know, held a, a cool cloth to my head when I was running a high fever. And, um, you know, I remember that Christmas when we woke up and everybody got what they wanted, um, that year from Santa or, you know, I remember that, that trip to Italy that we took as a family and it was just absolutely fantastic when, you know, the other 50 weeks out of the year, their systems, their nervous system is hyper on hyper alert, trying to work through and manage and be seen and heard. And I'm going to give you a personal, some personal experiences that I experienced as a child. When I was a kid, um, I basically, I've, I've said before, I kind of turned my mom, my mom's world upside down. She didn't know what to do with me because I wasn't the kid that just acquiesced to whatever I was told to do. I wanted to know why. I wanted to know why we were doing things that we were doing. I wanted to know why my feelings didn't matter. And I would get very angry and very upset. And every time I did, without fail, I was shamed. I remember my mother looking down at me like I can remember the scene in the mall in North Carolina visiting with family. And her standing above me, looking down at me, grabbing my, the, my forearms and looking 
dead in my eye and saying, this is not all about you. Stop it. We are here to have a good time with your aunt and uncle and cousin. Knock it off. Meanwhile, I'm nine, 10 years old. I've just been shamed in front of not just my family, but the entire mall. And my mother is anything but concerned about my feelings at that moment. And so what did I do? I sulked for the rest of the day. Now, sulked, that's what she called it. That's what I've, I called it for years. Now I know that I was dying inside to have my mom just sit down with me and say, Hey, what's going on? Looks like you're, you're, you're really not feeling well about this. And I really want to hear about your feelings. Now, this was in the, you know, the seventies and not something my mother experienced and not something that she was ever taught how to do. But nonetheless, that's what I experienced. And so when, when people ask me about my childhood, I tend to remember those experiences of the big, big, the big experiences when I had really big feelings and emotions and they were poo-pooed, they were put aside, they were told, I was told to basically shut up and get out of the way and let's not make it about you, but we're going to make it about all, all these other people. And that was, that was the theme of my life. My mom, my mom did not physically abuse me. She, I was, you know, I had a roof over my head and food on the table. I was not neglected in those ways, but I was significantly emotionally neglected. And so when people ask me about my childhood today, I don't have warm, fuzzy feelings of a great childhood because what stands out to me and what is most prevalent to me are all the times I wasn't heard and all the times I was not validated. And I am here to tell you that all of those times have had an effect on my entire life up to and including today. And I am in my mid-50s. They have such an impact on me today that I struggle with work. And when I say struggle with work, it's not that I'm not working. It's that I'm working too much, that I'm giving too much. I'm doing too much in an effort to be seen, heard, and recognized because I was not seen, heard, and recognized as a child. So when I hear parents say, my kids evidently don't have any good memories of childhood, I immediately think to myself, that's not it. <laughs> that's not it. Somewhere along the way, there was some sort of emotional neglect or 
emotional disregard for their feelings. And that became their house on fire and being having no regard for what was on the stove in the middle of the house fire. Or another way to look at it is in the middle of the house fire, they're not concerned with all of the things they had as a child. Right? They're concerned with, am I going to get out of here alive? Is my, is my, are my parents going to save me? Are they going to be able to help me get out of this? And that applies to emotional things, not just physical things. Saving, you know, a physical, making sure you stay alive, but also what about staying alive emotionally? So I would offer, offer this, think about, you know, the, uh, an unregulated nervous system and what you're able to remember if you're in, in hyper, you know, a hyper state of focus or alert. And one of the things that comes to mind for me for that is, you know, let's just say you're getting a divorce, right? Typically when we're getting a divorce, or we're separating from a longtime friendship or something along those lines, we're not necessarily thinking about all the, all the good times that we had, right? We're focused on all the bad, all the things we didn't get, all the things we wanted and we didn't get. Um, same thing, you know, if you receive a cancer diagnosis in that moment, are you, are you sitting in the chair thinking, well, you know, at least I have such great eyesight and, you know, wonderful hearing and, um, you know, the ability to get up and walk around. No. Your thought is only on that diagnosis. And this is what happens when our kids are stressed and they're not seen, heard, and validated in their childhood. That's, those are the moments that they're focused on. They cannot see, they don't have room to, to add in the good moments because the big moments are so huge. The big um, emotional moments where they felt emotionally neglected are so big and so huge. It pushes out all of the quote unquote good things. And it's not until they can get into a safe and regulated place where they can begin to go, oh yeah, yeah, I remember, I remember that, yeah, that summer when I was, you know, 13, and man, that was such a great summer, we had, we had such a wonderful time, we went to the lake, and you know, they, but it takes a regulated nervous system to be able to get there, and as long as there are these big things that are happening, or have happened in their life, they're not able to get there, that's what they're hyper-focused on, When, when you have a child who comes to you and wants to express something that they're struggling with or they're having a hard time with, and it applies to you, meaning they're having a hard time with you or they're struggling with something you've said or done or not done or not said, it's hard to listen to that. But shutting them down 
and trying to convince them that there was this other thing that was done that was better and good and can't they focus on that is I just can't I just cannot express to you how awful that is think about yourself if you go to your partner your spouse and you tell them man you know the other day when we had that argument and you you just yelled at me and told me my feelings were stupid and I you know why can't you be focused on our all the good times we've had in our marriage why do you always have to talk about this one thing I don't understand it how do you how does that make you feel when your feelings are not recognized do you stop in that moment and go oh yeah yeah you're right we've had we've had lots of all these happy memories and i i really should just be focused on that i don't know about you but that and that not, not me <laughs> that's not what i'm going to focus on in that moment what i'm going to focus on is well, you sorry SOB. Thanks a lot for acknowledging my hurt and my pain. Appreciate that. That's what I'm going to focus on. So think about how you would feel if someone's not acknowledging that necessarily your experience wasn't 100% happy, happy, joy, joy, like theirs was. And I'm here to tell you, <laughs> it's been my experience as well, that even those folks that are focused on the happy, happy, joy, joy, they're doing that to cover up all the hurt and pain that they've experienced. And in deep down inside, they're not happy and they're not joyful. They're just masking the pain. We do that really well in this country. And I can only speak from the, the U.S. because that's where I live. We do, our culture here is to just shame the crap out of people who have anything but happy, happy, joy, joy going on in their life. And that's, that's where we're at. That's, that's where we're at. So I want to pick up and say that I hear what you're saying when you, you tell me and others that your child had a great, happy childhood. From your perspective, that very well may be true. From their perspective, that very well may not be true. And until we can see, hear, and validate their perspective, their experience, it's next to impossible to make movement from estrangement into reconciliation. And I find that parents who, have a, who struggle with that, they struggle because their experiences as a child and young adulthood and their struggles and their pains have never been seen, heard, or validated. And again, we come back to, it's not, it's not up to your kid to validate that for you. 
it's not up to, it wasn't up to my girls to validate my stuff. My therapist is the one who did that for me. My parents didn't do it. It's what I do for a lot of my coaching clients. As I see, hear, and validate their pain and their experience. It's also what I do with when I'm coaching or working with estranged adult children. I see, hear, and validate their experience. And it's life-changing. It's life-changing when people do not feel dismissed. So I would invite you to consider if your child is telling you that their childhood sucked and their childhood was anything but pleasant and all of those things, is to take yourself out of the picture, stop taking it personal for a moment, and think about it from your child's perspective. And trust them that they are telling you what their experience was of their childhood. See them, hear them, and validate them. And that is when movement can begin to be made. We all want to be seen, heard, and validated. I'll give you another quick example of um, a personal experience that just recently happened to me. And I share this because I want you to know that even as a mid-50s, a daughter in her mid-50s, I'm still dealing with this and still dealing with a parent or parents that don't acknowledge my feelings. They've come a long way, but there's, there's still a lot of times that it's not acknowledged. The bulk of my family are going to be together next month in March. And when I say the bulk of my family, my parents, both of my daughters and their families, my sister and her families, her family, to include her daughter and her daughter's family, are all going to be together. And I wanted to go and be together with them. And I've not been able to find care for boarding for my two dogs for me to be gone 3,000 miles away from home for a week. During that week, that specific week, the folks that normally I board my my animals with are also going to be gone that week, so they're, they're not available. So I call my parents and I tell them, you know, I really would give anything to be able to be down there when the whole family's down there. I will, I will be the only one who, who will not be there. Myself and one, one grandchild will not be there. And the response that I got 
from my mother was, well, we can send you some pictures. Not, I know, man, it really sucks. Is there anything that we can do to help make it feasible for you to come down? We would really like for you to be here. We miss you. We want you to be here too. If there's, if, if, if there's anything we can do, will you please let us know? Instead, I got, we'll send you pictures. My perspective is the same perspective of my perspective of that is the same perspective of my childhood. I'm always left out. Now, in my mid-50s, I'm also able to sit back and say today, there are moments that I've had some really great times with my parents. Several years ago, I was, I was with them and we had, a great, we had a great week together. But it doesn't change the fact that my perspective on this experience is what it is. So I'm just, I'm giving you food for thought. Do with it what you will. Fight, you know, toss it in file 13 if you feel like it's not, not worth anything to you. That it doesn't apply to your situation. Although I would, I would highly encourage you to give that a second thought. We all want to be seen, heard, and validated. And when we can't, it continues to increase an unregulated nervous system. And it continues to increase the sadness. It continues to increase the desire at times to just not be around people, certain people. Because regardless of your time around them, your experiences are never seen, heard, or validated. So with that, I will close. If you have feedback on this episode, I would love to hear it, as well as any additional information or other topic ideas that you may have. Feel free to reach out to me via email at theestrangedheart at gmail.com. This brings this episode to a close. I hope that this time together was time you feel well spent and that you are able to find some takeaway nuggets to help you on your journey, wherever you may be on your estrangement and reconciliation path. If you feel you've received something helpful or positive from this podcast, please consider following us, sharing this podcast with others, leaving a positive review perhaps entertaining becoming a guest on our show or following us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok under the same name, The Estranged Heart. As a reminder, there is an online support group on Facebook. If you are a estranged mom who identifies as being spiritual and approaches estrangement with a sense of curiosity rather than blame and judgment, and desire to do inner self-work and reflection, please seek us out. 
We can be found at facebook.com backslash estranged mothers support group. And lastly, if you are an estranged parent or an estranged adult child and would like to have your story shared on the podcast anonymously or not, please reach out to me via email at theestrangedheart at gmail.com.